faith in humans. Give me something to believe in. Earth below me, sky above me, fire within me. Brought to you by UPRN Network. I'm Trish Mo, and this is The Missing Piece. Good evening. It is June 6th, I guess. I don't even know what day it is. Monday, June 6th. I'm your host, Trish, and this is The Missing Piece. I am broadcasting live of New Orleans 5.3 FM and United Public Radio Network. I would also like to thank Carnation for sponsoring the first hour of my show. And it is such a pleasure, and I'm so excited to welcome Rachel Kleinsmith, known as the Swamp Witch, um, tonight. And we there's so much, um, I don't even know where to start as far as all of your accomplishments, Rachel. You've done so much. Um, but we will get into, she has an entire makeup line. I just lost your bio here, so I'll go over that. <laughs> but, an entire makeup line. You also, do you still do, um, I'll let you tell your story, but do you still have the original um, Facebook, YouTube channel? I don't know where I read that, um, that you had started. Um, the Swamp Witch page. Is that what you're referring to? I'm sorry. You Okay, you're back now. You kind of cut out there for a second. Yes. I know you have the Swamp Witch page, but is that the original one? that it, it's the same one you've always had. Yeah, um, it was originally named Depressed Swamp Witch because I was going through uh, sort of a hard time a few years ago after my, my first makeup line. Um, we got really big really fast and we didn't have the infrastructure in place to support it. And I kind of had to shut it down, step back and then you know work to get out of debt from that before I could start over. And I was going through a hard time, so I, I kind of made that because everyone always called me a swamp witch because I always have this, you know, wild hair, and I'm from New Orleans, and you know, <laughs> and I was I just started posting things that I felt were cathartic. Some of them were themed, you know, around New Orleans. Some of them were like dark, dark academia stuff, just just relatable content, you know, a lot of feminist type stuff, and um, it kind of ballooned as well. Uh, I thought no one's gonna like this content but me. I'm just posting it for me, and then. We ended up with uh, 220,000 followers. I think we're almost 230. Wow. Yeah. So uh, whenever you think that you're the only person in the world that likes something, you're wrong. There's a lot of people who are into the exact same things and feel the exact same way that you do. It's interesting you say that because that's that's actually um, intuitively what, what led me to, um, to, to your site was recently, I, I kind of did the same thing. You know, I started two years ago, I started makeup line, well, kind of skincare makeup. Um, and I had to shut it down and kind of recalibrate and everything. And then I went through this whole period um, with health problems with Lyme disease and everything. So I, I, I just recently started um, a, a different, another YouTube channel telling that story, you know, and how it can deal with like mental health and depression and, and ADHD and autism and stuff. So I didn't even realize when I saw you ran across you again, um, being interviewed on, you were recently interviewed by, um, Patty Negri, right. Um, 
the good witch who um who's been on here before you were on her her podcast um yes and she's a very dear friend of mine and a client of mine we work very closely together yes i i love her i had her uh she was one of my she was like my second or third guest on my own show um a few months ago and um but yeah that's that's where i ran across you again and i'm like hey that's that's i used to see her <laughs> and i didn't even really you know i i have a short memory here so i didn't remember a long time ago that um that it was you so i'm happy i'm so happy you're here um so let's get into what first of all rachel has so many amazing things on on her uh her makeup line and website that that most that's that's something that um there's so much there that doesn't that most people don't even think about like um the health warnings and the the products or the what am i trying to say um, all the different chemicals and and things, the ingredients that are in makeup. You you disclose all of that. You also have a link for um, the pro accounts for artists, which you give a discount to. Um, but what was your inspiration for for that specific? How did your makeup company get started? Well, it's been a very long process. Um, my mom took me to. The Clinique counter when I was like 13 years old and got me the whole skincare makeup line. I started wearing makeup religiously. And when I was in high school, I found the gothic subculture. And that took me in a whole different direction with cosmetics. And simultaneously, I started selling um, Mary Kay, which I know I was too young to do. My mom had gotten an account with them to be a salesperson just so I could sell, you know, um, through her name, basically. And I loved learning more about that world. And somewhere along the lines, I discovered Paula Bagoon, the beauty cop or the beauty, uh, she wrote the beauty Bible. And what she basically did is she went through and she shredded the industry. She, she created this entire list of every ingredient that you can find in makeup and skincare, what it does, is it good for your skin? What amount is effective? What amount is harmful? you know, all these different things. And she even had, I think at the time, um, don't go to the hair care counter without me and don't go to the makeup counter without me. So she had a lot of information on like safety and efficacy because the weird thing about cosmetics in America is it's largely unregulated. There's, yeah. there's not a lot of oversight. There's no pre-market testing required. And I think the FDA um, only bans um, like 13 ingredients uh, where in the European Union, it's like 1300. It's a lot a lot of different things and so and it's funny things that do ban are not are actually allowed in europe like you uv pigments and makeup is mm -hmm. disallowed in the united states it's not people do it anyway you know and same with glitter glitter and eye makeup is not allowed by the fda but again there's no real oversight it's pretty much all on an honor system <laughs> there's yeah. so much glitter out there I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> um, well, plus, I mean, you're you're in California. Um, for people in other parts of the world, California actually does have, um, compared to all the other states in most yeah. other areas, like yeah. agriculture and food and stuff, they have a lot more regulations um, 
on things like that than than any other state. Right. So in Cayman, like- there's yeah. no regulation. I mean, that you could just as long as you're not putting like, well, actually, there's there's just no regulation. You could you could probably put cyanide or arsenic. You know, there's there's those things in a lot of um, products out there. So, but there's no you know for when I when I started my makeup um, or skincare business, there's nothing even for supplements, which something you ingest you know there's no oversight right well um to finish my story is that um the more i got into that the more i realized that i couldn't push the whole mary Kay skincare line and makeup because i didn't agree with all of the ingredients and the way that they do their sales program is that you kind of have to push the whole line exclusively and it's kind of oh. and I loved Mary Kay as a person I read her autobiography I, I absolutely love the story behind it it's brilliant brilliant businesswoman good woman um but they also weren't very accepting of me and my alternative look and they kept wanting me to change and so that combined with me not feeling comfortable promoting everything I decided okay I'm going to start my own makeup line one day and then when I was pregnant with my first son in 2011 I was like, okay, well, now's the time because I'm going to have a kid. I've got to do something, you know, with my life that I can support myself long term because I am very neurodivergent. Like we were talking about with the Lyme disease and ADHD. I don't have Lyme, but my friend, a lot of my, a lot of my friends do. And it's a, it's a tough, tough disease to deal with. Um, but I am, I am autistic and I am ADHD and I, I've never been able to hold on like a regular job. I can work for myself mm-hmm. endless hours, but for, for some reason in a, in a corporate regular world environment I just don't cope very well so um I started my first makeup line in 2011 it grew very slowly because we were kind of coming from a place of poverty and then over the next seven years it started becoming profitable and then in 2018 we went viral and it it blew up um now now how do you think as far as you know after the shutdown I started seeing, um, which is one of the main problems with with all of these these newer companies since the shutdown. There were tons of like um, lip gloss. Lip lip gloss was a big one. That it seemed. I mean, there were kids like down the street, you know, making making lip gloss because they they found um, a video or whatever online and and that's. A huge as what I wanted to point out with there's a lot I don't know if it happens with you but um, a lot of products have been linked to uh, make things like like autism or ADHD worse as far as the heavy metals and the um, the artificial colors did you experience that before you learned about um, the chemicals in the makeup I mean did do you think that it, you know, like red dye and yellow dye and all of that? Do you yeah, think I, that? I don't, I don't think there's a link to a cause. I think that a lot of things can can make that kind of thing worse for specific reasons. Um, I don't want to say worse, but like the wording here is challenging. I Autism and ADHD are neurotypes. They are not, right. you know, anything else. They're just dif- different ways your brain processes. You can look at it on a, on a brain scan and we're born that way. We're born different and there's nothing wrong with it at all. I am, I'm a big advocate for, for autism acceptance and autistic pride because most, most everyone I work with and know is autistic or ADHD or both. And, um, it's very misunderstood, especially in the media. 
you have companies like Autism Speaks, which we consider to be a hate group. Um, people put their kids in ABA training, which was created by the guy who um, created gay conversion therapy. And it's it's been linked to cause trauma in the long term in autistic children. It, it teaches masking, which is very harmful. Um, part of part of what comes with autism is, is sensory issues, right? Yes. So obviously if you're in a setting or if you're eating certain foods that your body has a sensitivity to because they're not I'm not, I'm not gonna say the word natural because natural doesn't mean anything and not everything natural is good like poison ivy but like they're not your body your body and your 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 history of of you know your genealogies people have you know certain regions have more sensitivities to like lactose except you know or gluten right. like, yeah, i'm celiac and i shouldn't eat gluten so with with my autism is that if i eat gluten i have brain fog and i am more prone to meltdowns yes that's how I, that's how i am too i already shouldn't be having it and I didn't know for a long time. My mom and girl both were celiac and I should have known, but they don't test early for that kind of thing. They basically don't, don't diagnose you until you've already destroyed your intestines. Like they don't, they don't, they don't care about sensitivity. And so the only reason I figured that out was from friends who have the same problems and elimination diet and realizing, Oh, I have more focus. Oh, I'm calmer. I have more, you know, less, less mood swings. Like, and, and so there's definitely a cause, you know, um, to why those things like dyes like sucralose, gives me migraines. I can't drink any of the energy drinks on the market now because they all have sucralose. It's an instant migraine trigger. Like, it's just one of those things. Like, I think, yeah, it does affect your neurodivergency. It makes it harder to cope with the world. <laughs> the world. Yes. You know, stuck in. <laughs> um, but I don't think it's for the, the reason a lot of these people are saying. I think that's to do with science, you know? Yeah, I... I... I, I only know from, from personal experience, I'm, you know, obviously not a doctor in that area, but um, I, I cannot, when I worked in the corporate world and I would go out even, even with food, but um, I had, my doctor said, you need to, you need to quit drinking, drinking alcohol. And I was like, what do you, I don't drink. What are you talking about? And um, it was, it was from my makeup and hair care and skin care and everything else products, the, like the aluminum, he's like, well, your deodorant, your everything that your skin absorbs, you know? And, um, and that's when all my organs would, you know, start shutting down and my immune system attack itself. So. Right. Um, definitely. And they, they always do these tests on things. They do test. They do it in very small, short-term exposure with healthy yeah on top of that. So most times you can't smoke, you can't be overweight, you can't, you know, have any health problems to be in a medical study. So how is this stuff going to affect any of us who do have those things, you know, going on? Like we don't know because they don't test on it. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes on and, and, and especially in America where things are largely unregulated. Thank you. Capitalism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they're definitely affecting us. Like they're saying we all have microplastics in our blood now. Like it's, yeah. it's so I've always been very careful. I've always been very interested in the science and, and, and knowledge. And I know not everyone cares, but I will always put the information out there because it's important to me. And it's important to me that we use ingredients that are, are safe and tested and, and be thorough about it. I, um, I don't know if, if, if they still, I don't allow my, my kids to get slime was the biggest one that when I first read the ingredients on slime, I'm like, I've been giving this to my child, like when, you know, everybody was giving it to their kids. 
<laughs> like toddlers have it and there's there's horrible things in that but as far as um your makeup line is what what was really uh, amazing and of course all all my favorite ones are sold out so uh, apparently they're everybody's favorite as well um but you have i love the concept of it being a storybook and um based on different themes of are those so you jane austen correct um that's that's your one of your lines and i want to say the the weathering heights and the jane Eyre were my favorites but of course i i think those were both sold out when i checked too and then i love the dracula one but you tell you you also tell um the history behind them so where did that concept come from well i just i love history and i love literature and again um back to that whole find finding your people even if you think it's really niche like they do show up like i've always just created products that i want to see and and marketed them in a way that would appeal to me specifically and um that's how i find my audience it is very niche but it's very effective there's a lot of people out there who love those books they're very popular classic books and while we yeah. might feel you know you're kind of alone because not everyone around you reads or, or likes those like there's still millions of people who do obviously they've sold millions of copies so that's why i get into all that detail because for people who it matters to it matters to and it matters to me yes and, yeah, and, and i were a I'm long sorry. process sorry the book palettes were a long process to make i have a patent pending on the design um no one else has done that there are other companies that have done book themed palettes but they don't actually open up like a real book Mine no has no i've never i've never that and and that's what i mean i, I absolutely love the concept like i could put these on you know a shelf in my room or whatever and it, and it looks like a book i love libraries i love books and so that that's very appealing to me um because yeah, i actually came from a meeting with the public library downtown los angeles they're going to be carrying them in their gift shop what that's awesome that's amazing i love that's it yeah we're in over 60 stores around the world now Yes, that was my next question, where you can be, where people can find them, your yeah. products. We sell almost exclusively wholesale to independent shops and also at conventions. We do, we have a long list of, of events and trade shows that we're doing this year. Um, we do sell on our website. We're kind of in between stock right now because we are doing back to back to back conventions. We just did Monster Clues this weekend. We have Connex next weekend and then Sinister Creature Con the following weekend. And three weeks off, we're going to Sunday at Comic Con and then doing Midsummer Scream. And so it's, it's a lot. Um, we also have a number of licensing deals in the works. I can't talk about all of them. I mentioned a couple of them. Um, mm -hmm. So we're going to, and we also have a couple of meetings with uh, large uh, big box stores coming up next month. So we are looking at expanding into like major retail category. Um, we also manufacture for other independent brands like Ninja Lipstick, Pin Up Girl Clothing, and a few celebrities as well. So I don't just make my line. I also design products and then manufacture them for other brands. Wow. And yeah, we have a private lab that we work with for most of the powder cosmetics and packaging. And then all of our makeup brushes are made in-house, like our tentacle brushes that are, are shaped like tentacles. Oh, I love those too. And then you also have, aside from all of that, you have bags and accessories and, and 
my gosh, I looked through the whole, um, the lip gloss that are, I, I love that too, in the wine bottles. Um, yeah, liquid lipsticks. Those are officially licensed by Vampire Vineyards. So, and especially New Orleans, very relevant to New Orleans. Um, they're carried at Boutique du Vampire in the French Quarter. And oh. they also carry the full-size wine bottles by Vampire Wine. And they're also served at the Vampire Cafe in the French Quarter and at Potions Lounge, their Vampire Speakeasy, which is above um, Fritz's um, Jazz Club. Um, you have to go and tell them the vampire sent you to get in. <laughs> <laughs> to get into this secret speakeasy above Bourbon Street, and it's so cool. It's a vampire speakeasy. It looks like you're walking into the 1920s, and um, yeah, so they they carry both our Dracula book palettes and our um, our wine lipsticks, and they also carry the, the actual wine by Vampire Vineyard. So that's really cool. She actually just bought up the rest of them. That's why we're out of stock for Dracula right now. <laughs> yes, I saw that too. That's New Orleans. That's another one that I was I was interested in. It was sold out as well. Um, what now? So let's talk about the vampire community. Um, you are editor in chief of the vampire magazine, but um, is that community? Is that something that you have always been been drawn to, or how did um, you kind of you know connect with that community? I guess. Absolutely. Well. Um... When I found the gothic subculture, and because I'm autistic, it became a special interest of mine. So I pretty much dove in as deep as I could into the history of the gothic subculture. And somewhere along the lines, I discovered the vampire subculture. Um, I'm not exactly sure where that began, but I was definitely sitting on vampires.com and vampireworld.com circa 2003-ish. And um, <laughs> I actually found one of my good friends there, and I didn't meet him until 2017 but he um is one half of the band nox arcana which is a very famous dark ambient band very good big in the gothic community joseph vargo's the other half he um said a lot of gothic artwork they used to sell it in hot topic they used to sell it in spencer's back in the day and um yeah i met him and now he's like my best friend you know after moving to california oh, wow. funny thing is i was in this time period I also was shopping at Hot Topic, obviously, because we all were in the 2000s, small goss, you know. And I was Shoot, I still am half the time. <laughs> I was living in Kansas at the time, and that was the only really option we had. Well, that's why I still do it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I lived at the mall in high school. I was I was a total mall goth, total cringe. I don't care. It was it was an era. And yes. um, Dark Realms magazine, put out by Joseph Fargo and Christine Philippak at the time, was in Hot Topic, and I picked up a copy. And there was an article there on Endless Night Vampire Ball in 2002 in New Orleans. And oh, it's wow. There since 95, every Halloween weekend since 95, New Orleans vamp Endless Night Vampire Ball is there. And when I moved to Los Angeles in 2015, a few months later, um, I noticed that Father Sebastian, who puts on the Endless Night Vampire Balls, was going to be at Bar Sinister. And I'm friends with um, Lisa, the manager there. And so we used to go out there and vend our makeup. We still do occasionally. In fact, um, the Vampire Magazine thing, uh, Julia Landau from Buffy the Vampire Slayer is our most recent cover model. And she's going to be doing a signing at Bar Sinister on the 25th this month. So I'm going to be back at Bar Sinister again. But I ended up meeting him there. And he's like, hey, you want to come out to my friend's 450th birthday party? Because <laughs> they just add, you know, a zero to the end of their years. And I'm like, sure. So he took me to 
um, this vampire wine lounge in Beverly Hills, which is actually owned by Michael Chapman Chat from Vampire Vineyards. They sold sold vampire wine there. So oh, I kind wow. of just got rushed into this world that I've been reading about since I was a teenager and like kind of thrown into the inner circle by by accident. And um, slowly over the last few years, I you know I started working with Sebastian. We did um, a license with his, my first makeup line with his stuff, and it sold out. In fact, um, affiliation with that is what got me viral the first time. There was um, one of his customers had a fan page for Vampire the Masquerade in Mexico, and they shared the original mock-up of tentacle brushes, and it went viral. So, like, it's all kind of tied together. But, yeah, in the last few years, I do work for Father Sebastian. I run his online store and brand, and I work for Endless Night tangentially by working for him, and we co-own Vampire Magazine together. And I, I've always loved vampires. I, think I was six years old when I first heard the story about Dracula. Like the actual yeah. Dracula, like Vlad the Impaler. And I was just like hooked. My mom was, my mom grew up down the street from Anne Rice in New Orleans. She was on the Irish Channel side. On the Irish Channel side, same street across Magazine Street. But she had always, always loved Anne Rice and always had the books at home. And she was an aberrator. She was a librarian. So I was exposed to that, that world at a very early age. And Queen of the Damned, I know it gets a lot of hate, but it came oh. out, it came out the movie. I mean, because it's not really based on the... It's based on two different books. But, you know, right. um, it was perfect for me. I was 15 years old when it came out. I was listening to all those bands. Like, that was that was exactly what I was looking for, like, at that moment. Um, so it's always been it's always been a thing on my radar. And I'm, I'm very happy to be as involved as I am now. Getting to talk and work with all these different vampire celebrities, people who are involved in the vampire world, pop culture, music, film, TV, everything. It's just great. That's um, that's exactly how I was when I read all the Anne Rice books when I was little. Um, I was obsessed. I mean, I I watched I watched over and over and over, you know, because I I we just had VCRs back in the eighties, and um, but The Lost Boys was one of them. Over and over, I watched um, all the really old um, like the original Dracula movies. Even um, love those, and and I was always so. Um, so drawn to that. I actually, while you're talking, I had a huge deja vu. I'm, I must have had a dream about that very moment that you're that I was interviewing you um, at some point um, months ago. But th that's how uh, that's how I met Patty too. When we were talking about the vampires because I'm like, you know, in Kansas, I'm I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with Kansas. Um, but I've always been an outcast because there's, there's not, I mean, aside from hot topic, people are like the, oh, that's where the goths go, you know, there's, um, but there's not a big, a lot of acceptance here of, uh, so, so when I learn about all of these things, you know, e even like you, um, or, um, anything that the magazine or the vampire ball, things like that, I feel like I've been living under a rock, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these things exist. Uh, yeah, I lived in Topeka 15 years. It was, I felt very sheltered when I left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I moved to Kansas City in 2010 and I moved to Los Angeles in 2015, and that's a culture shock. And I've traveled all over the country, I don't know how many times now, but it, it's, 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 it's weird how people there don't seem to think there's anything else out there. Right. Like, I've even heard them tell people, I'm trying to get them to leave. Come on, get, get out. Come on, move with me. Come out here, you know, see the world. 
And they're like, well, there's just the same problems everywhere. No, there's not. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> I have lived in the South. I moved back here from New York, actually. I grew up in New Mexico and I haven't lived on the West Coast yet. But yes, every time I come back here, I'm like, my, there's like a whole other world <laughs> outside of Kansas, you know, that nobody realizes. But I will, what I have experienced when you were in Topeka and Kansas City area, there is more paranormal oh absolutely stuff here and and but we don't think of it as paranormal because it just happens all the time and it's all around us oh and so and it's weird i've had i've I've plenty of stories from new orleans of paranormal things happening i talked about some of them on patty's podcast i have so many more from kansas so many more that yeah that's what i'm saying and all the places i've lived it's like here and and everybody does even if you go and talk to people who have never left the state and that you think are set in their ways and stuff, if you start talking about, the, you know, as a medium, when I talk about that stuff, I'll be, you know, t- talking to my sister about a ghost I saw or something in a bar out in public somewhere. And somebody next to us will be like, um, can I tell you something? You know, and, and they'll start yeah. telling their story that they've never told anyone. So it's so much more common, but everybody here um, just, thinks it, it happens to every, it happens all over the That's place right. you know like it's uh, normal like there's i can definitely count on one hand the number of people i've met in kansas who were just like oh no that stuff's fake i've never experienced anything like most yeah. people one story one so one thing they can't explain you know they can call it demons they can call it whatever they want to call it because it's very bible belt you know um mm-hmm. but they at least have something they at least have some some we used to go hang out my my comfort spot when I lived in Topeka was Topeka State Hospital before I tore it down. I used to go out there and just sit. And I have a really funny story from that one. Um, I used to bring people out there too. And for some reason, every time we went out there, as soon as I looked away, they would see the shadow walking in a window up, up, up in the upper parts of the main building. And so I said, no, I'm not looking away this time. We're going to come back. I'm going to stare and stand there. So I'm standing there like, 20 feet from the building, just staring up at this window where everyone keeps seeing this, this thing walk by and, um, headlights, we see headlights on the wall, the brick wall in front of us. And we all turn. Most of us turn. I turn because I'm like, Oh my God, there's a car going to hit us. There's headlights coming up right behind us. You know, it looks like it was like, like they're right there, like right there behind us. There's a car. There's no freaking car. There's no road. The parking lot's like 200 feet back. Like there's, there's the road is like a thousand feet. Like it's, it's a football field away. Cause it's like right. it's a summer park, summer sports park, you know? Yeah. Like there's no, there's no street there. There's no cars there. There's nothing. And since I turn, the thing walks by like, whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was, uh, it's funny you said, see, so, so when I moved back here, I didn't know about any of that in, in Topeka. And I try not to in, like research places before, um, I, if I'm kind of drawn to something, you know, because I don't want it, my, my perception skewed. So I was actually at, um, 
one of my son's football games at Hummersport Park um, in the or last fall. And I see this lady cleaning up this long trail of blood, which, I mean, that wasn't the significance in that. The reason that was symbolic, it, I mean, it, I think it was from like a kid that had a bloody nose or something. Ooh. But right after that, I I had just posted in a Topeka group, if, they, if anyone knew any history, because that's the first time I had heard about the Topeka State Hospital. And there, there are so many stories. People are oh. like, oh, yeah, there's bodies underground there. There's, and that's what unmarked the significance grave. of the. There is a graveyard, but there's also unmarked graves, too. And it, it always had this really strange energy, like, because it was a state hospital. It was a, it was a mental hospital. And people were not treated very well there. No. Uh, it's, it's one of the most notorious for their, the horrendous things that were done there. And it's. Yeah, uh, it's wild. Uh, Rochester Cemetery, have you been there? I love, I go there all the time. I love that cemetery. I, I love it because it's a predictable haunting. Yeah. Is yeah. Every but everybody's afraid of it. And I, I find no. peace at those places. Absolutely. Um, every <laughs> single time I went there at night, not during the day, but at night, of course, we saw the albino woman every mm -hmm. single time at varying distance from ourselves, but it never failed. I could bring anybody there be like, hey, come check this out. You know, you want to see this. And here's the whole story about the lady who, she was an albino woman and she walked her dog late at night because, you know, she was shunned by society and she still does. She's still there. Yeah. <laughs> She's dead. And every time we went there, we saw her. So I think, though, um, you know, as, well, for me anyways, when I, when I see her, uh, it has to do with, with my connection to being a witch as well. But um, she... Most people don't haven't publicized the the true story about her because she was like almost beaten and stuff numerous times and tortured and all kinds of stuff. You know, as far well, she was bullied all the time, of course, because of the way she looked and she she wore like you said she went out at night because she couldn't be exposed to the sunlight as much, being an albino, so she would wear a lot of covering. Um, but she had that. Um, it's not. It's. It's a skin, aside from albinoism, she had um, that condition where your veins, um, they're more uh, like this, her skin was thinner. So they, you know how when blood oxidizes, or it's actually blue, it, but so when it, your skin's translucent, I guess, that's what gave her the blue appearance. Um, but there's a whole story. I, I need to research that more sometime because, um, yeah, she was she was beat up a few times and like dragged and all, all kinds of stuff that they, they, people don't realize. They just say, oh, she's a scary witch and blah, blah, blah. No, no she, like this was this is I mean, the Internet wasn't quite as I mean, it's been around for a long time. But I mean, this was just local stories I heard. I don't think I think I tried Googling it a couple of times, like the early 2000s didn't find much about it. So. I really didn't have any source of information outside of just the rumors, but all I heard was that she was, you know, stayed away from people because they didn't understand her. I didn't know that that had happened. That's really horrible. And oh sad. yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. So, so the first story I got from, from everywhere in the internet and everywhere else. And when I, right after I first saw her, cause I didn't think, you know, I'm like, oh, she's very peaceful to me and you, we get along great, you know? <laughs> so, right. Um, but I started reading up on, on what really happened and um, compared to all these horrendous, she's a monster and she curses people and all this. No, no, it was it was actually um, teenagers and all, all kinds of different people that um, bullied her. So 
Um, Pika is really, really bad about bullying. Yes. I have a lot yes. of kids who have grown up there and left. And it's, it's really, really, I can't emphasize enough, not like that everywhere. I went to Washburn Rural High School. It was like straight up Mean Girls the movie. And I was the same age as those girls when it came out. Like it's, I tell people that in California and they go, no, it couldn't be that bad. It couldn't be that clicky. Oh, it was. Oh, it, <laughs> it really was. <laughs> I mean, my school, my school wasn't like that. I went to a really small school though. Um, before, but then as soon as I got out of high school, I went to college, I went to Washburn, um, one semester I went to KU and then I left, like I left the state for years. Um, and I didn't come back until a few years ago, but, but with my kids now, you know, they also have red hair and it, my daughter's only eight and she's, she's bullied all the time for it, you know, and she said kids at her school call her a witch and call her ketchup head and all these things. And, um, it, it, it is really bad, like to where she doesn't even want to go to school. And I'm like, if this is happening when you're eight, you know, can you imagine in high school? <laughs> it get worse. It's better. I mean, it gets worse and better. Um, I was eight when I moved to, to Kansas and it was, it was horrible. I had no problems in, in New Orleans and Louisiana where I was. And I, I was an instant outcast there. And I also am a natural redhead. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't about my hair. It was about me reading. They made fun mm -hmm. of me reading and liking books and, and being, yes and obviously for being autistic and not knowing it like <laughs> um but yeah like it was it was so brutal like it was it was so bad it was so bad I'd only stopped when I got into high school became gothic and taller than everyone I'm six foot tall so oh I was, wow I was like that's five awesome though at like 14 <laughs> and I could beat everybody up and they would leave me alone like <laughs> Like that was, that was my, that was my defense, but it only stopped for that reason. I have other friends who, who did not, you know, find a way to like protect themselves and it continued, it continued through high school. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm very much a, <laughs> an outcast here. So, so we're trying to move. I just haven't decided, which I think is so expensive in California though nowadays. I, I don't But there's also more money and there's more social safety there. There's practically universal health care. There's so much money for college. If, if like, you know, you have a daughter, she's eight. If she graduates school, high school in California, she gets free college for two years. Oh, wow. So, I mean, like, yeah, it's more expensive, but it's really also not. I, I moved back to Kansas for nine months. Um, family was having health problems, and I, I wanted to go out there for a little while. And we thought, okay, well, we'll we're cutting our rent in half. Surely we can make money doing some of the same things that you can't. They can't. I make. I can't afford to live anywhere but Los Angeles because it's what I do. I, what I do requires me to being here, and what you do would find you in good company here. Well, and I think that's. Um, you know, I've. I've. Quote, well, I've probably misquoted this many times before, but there. There's a saying about the fish. You know that. That spent all its life thinking. Um, it. It couldn't. It wasn't like everybody else because it lived in a tree. Um, you know, so, and I don't even know who originally said that or where it came from. It's attributed but to Einstein. I'm not sure if that was actually him that said it, but it's often attributed to Einstein. He was also, this is my little, I don't know if you can see my little, oh, oh my Einstein bobblehead. It sits on my desk. Yes. Um, yeah. So there's something to that effect of, um, if, if a fish goes its entire life, um, 
God, I'm going to have to look that up. I don't even know what that. So, and I keep saying I'm going to move back to New Orleans because it is home. I always feel at home there. I always go back. I'm there at least once a year, just twice a year. This year we are riding in the crew of Boo on um, October 22nd. So I'll be back there for that. And then for the next two weeks, we'll be there. What? Because of Endless Night New Orleans. But I, I'm staying in Los Angeles because it's where I'm, I'm working and making money. And I still intend to go home one day. What is the crew of Boo for? It is a parade, like the Mardi Gras style parades, you know, big floats, you know, dancing, uh, bands, the whole nine. But it's it's during Halloween time. And so. What month is your you're also going to Romania, correct? November. Yeah. November. Okay. Yeah, we're going on That's a tour. What, I'm in the middle of a whole, the, the passport department <laughs> is, uh, you know, I had to go through the whole getting a new birth certificate and everything since the shutdown. And it's, it's a mess. I'm like, if I can get that before, oh, that's what it was. She came on right before, um, it was in April. So the original trip was scheduled in May, correct? They did go in May. They oh, they did, did go in May. But. Uh, there was a lot of people that wanted to wait and so she split up the trip and did two trips okay Uh, that's what it was and i'm I'm, like yeah i'm going to the one in november because it's better for my schedule it's going to be a little different itinerary but still really cool it's like nine uh 10 10 days nine nights and we're going to explore all the old monasteries a lot of the you know haunted places um dracula's castle um both the one from the movie and also his actual castle um and yeah patty's doing a whole like paranormal investigation at parnari castle and it's going to be really cool oh my goodness i want to go so bad i'm trying to i'm like that's why it was it was rescheduled <laughs> I'm like, there's a reason <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't get everything together in that amount by May anyways, not the beginning of May. And the new variant of COVID, there were some people who just really wanted to wait. So mm-hmm. they just put the group in two. Yeah, that's that's what um that's what I saw on that. And and so is there a limit on how many people can go on that trip? Yeah, the limit's around like 30 something people, I think, but we still have some tickets available and it's honestly a really great deal. It's, yeah, um, it wasn't bad. $150 down payment, and then it's like $2,500 something um, for the whole trip. And it includes several meals. It includes transportation. Um, you know, it's it's everything but airfare, pretty much. Like, your accommodations are included. Like, and some meals you had to pay for yourself. But it's a really good deal. Like, it really is. You should come... Um, to Kansas in a few weeks when going to when patty's going to be there yeah but unfortunately i can't (laughs) Uh, i'm doing a convention right before that in sacramento and then i have a meeting with walmart in arkansas uh because they want to carry our king cake pallets next year in the southern states wow that's exciting that's a major meeting it's a meeting there's nothing been decided yet but we need to get invited to come and meet with them in person 
they say Walmart's going to be the new uh, new Amazon too. So, you know, more people are are going to be shopping. Apparently, I just saw yep. that last night. Shopping there. <laughs> sell on Walmart.com. We do sell on Amazon.com. It's just shipped from us. We're not using their fulfillment centers. But yeah, we sold out of six hundred of those king cake pallets at the beginning of the year during carnival season. Flirty Girl bought a whole bunch. They they have like six different stores now, I think. Um, but also Beefy Mahoney's in the French Quarter. There was an Ace Hardware in Mandeville. I saw that. Ace Hardware. <laughs> like, That's awesome. Bought some king cake pallets and I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> and and I love it. I'm I'm really happy people people enjoyed them because I've been wanting to do that forever and it was fun. Yes, that, that's one that, that I loved as well. Uh, and I think I think that one, I'm going to have to go back on there because all the ones I looked at were. Um, do you have, what are your plans? Where do you plan on on your businesses going in the future? Um, I mean, I not your specific projects, but as far as expansion, I guess, as far as do you plan on continuing um you know strictly in the in the makeup and and um you know that industry or have you considered um you know i know you do your magazine have you considered writing books yourself i have and actually have a list of books that i want to write but that's just very time consuming and and right now (laughs) since we are Uh uh-oh that you know I just can't right now so at some point I will I actually had the idea because one of my kids really wants to get into witchy stuff um, my my nine year old Corbin he actually read Patty's book and loved it um, writing a kid's book that's like not targeted towards little girls like could be any gender or for little boys too because all the kids books around witchcraft are very gendered and I feel like that's yes. Disadvantage for a lot of kids that are interested. Um, uh, well, and males throughout throughout history, you know, I, I have people that ask me that a lot of times. Anyways, I don't I don't know if you can still hear me, but since your screens your screen went black. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having connection issues right now. You're okay. Have you heard of the uh, Wilfred Voynich manuscript? Oh, there. Yep. Are you back? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I don't. I don't know if you heard. Well, maybe. Can you hear me? Okay, you're back. (laughs) Okay. Um, Wilfred Voynich. Have you heard of him? I haven't. So I um I came across this a few years ago initially and then and then it keeps popping up you know on on TV on random on the internet you, you know how something'll come across your radar and then it and then it keeps coming up well then I saw a documentary when I was at work today that came up he, um he was in the 15 it, nobody knows they know it came from him it's a book they know that but there's no um, there's no title. There weren't any. They added page numbers later, but basically, they're like, we don't know what this book is. It's a it's a book. There's there's descriptions of all these botanicals. There's 
um, you know, astrology. There's pictures of naked women going around the sun. And so I'm listening to these these documentaries and I was like, okay, that's that's a grimoire. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it was obvious to right. me, but it sounds like one. Right. And and that's exactly how it, I would make a grimoire, how I do, or how most people, you know, I know, because you go through different phases of, of, of curiosity and learning about um, different, you know, your astrology and, and, and plants and animals and all of that. Um, and then of course the phases of, of the moon and, but I'm assuming because it was back, uh, you know, he was married, he left the book um, when he died, obviously his wife, um, he died when he was only 60 or something, but his wife kept it for years. And then, and then various people tried to sell it um, and could never sell it. And now only recently has it become, you know, now there's scientists and people now, now that these things are more accepted, um, there's people, spiritualists from all over trying to interpret it. And he wrote in, in an interesting code language that nobody has been able to decipher. And, um, but I'm assuming he did that in his time because he was a male. And, and even though throughout history, especially back in, in medieval times, um, you know, wi wizards and, and such were more accepted. Um, I assume he, he was taking the more, what would have been considered feminine route back then. Um, and I mean, it's not that way now because we don't as witches in our community, we, we don't distinguish it. Like, you know, right. there's no. A witch is a witch, not gender. Right. Term, you know? But back then I can see why he wouldn't, um, why he would come up with a code. And he, even his wife didn't know that much about it. Like, she's like, oh, I just write books and compose music. And, um, but, it, but it's very interesting. You should, I, I feel like you should look into it for some reason. Um, Definitely. Well, it sounds very interesting. I want to learn more about it. And it's it's huge too. It, it's just it's got so many different um, sections, and it, so it's called the Voynich V O Y N I C H. Okay. The, the um, Voynich. I think I actually have heard of that. Yeah, it's it's at the Smithsonian now, but they actually have an on a fully online um, digital copy for the most part. Um, but there's. Cryptologists and, and I mean, so many people have tried to figure out what it means. But like I said, these these people are all scientists. Even just seeing at first glance, um, th through a, a perspective of witchcraft, I'm like, oh, well, well, I know what that is, you know? Right. <laughs> a, um. It's like the historians, they're talking about the two men that lived together and they must have been best friends, lived together for 30 years. <laughs> best friends. <laughs> I'm so glad um, all of that is more accepted now, obviously, um, because definitely um, been burned at the stake numerous times. Oh, I, I'm still a little about that i travel across the country a lot i travel a lot of rural areas i'm still i'm still a little worried in some places in this country about being burned at the stake for sure yes 
it's um it's it's sort of triggering um i think for those of us that do remember some of those past past lives um that's that's a real thing it's it's like a past life trauma that that follows us you know and which is sad because um it's such a great community of um but the stigma is still there um Someplace. i was well um I, in, in in kansas probably yes in new orleans yeah. no there really right. isn't in california and depends where you are in los angeles absolutely not most of the clubs we go to um have some kind of ritual aspect to them like they actually do rituals like at midnight and in secret rooms and like it's it's kind of an open secret not to mention it's la um there's santeria and brujeria everywhere like you can see candles in every grocery store um the seven day candles you can see pictures of santa Marte everywhere like it's 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 not really hidden here and it's not really hidden in New Orleans. You can walk down anywhere in the French Quarter on the river and you can find altars set up um, with money that no one's touching because they're not, they don't dare, you know? Um, candles burning, no one messes with them. It's just accepted to be real by most people, whether they practice it or not. It's, it's, so it just really depends on where you are. Obviously, places like Salem, it's pretty common, you know, even right. now, which community in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, more than there ever was during the time of the Salem witch trials, you know? Um, so it really depends on where you are. Yeah. Kansas people are like, ah, oh, witch, scary. But like, <laughs> most I think are being more accepting for sure. I was, I was going to tell you um, one of, I, I don't think I've ever mentioned this on my show. I know I mentioned it on chasing prophecy because that's, that's right around the time I found it. I looked up the definition for which on just you know googled it so in um the oxford let's see this one is from the oxford dictionary this is the definition that they still have um a woman thought to have magic powers especially evil ones wow depicted popularly depicted as wearing a black cloak and pointed hat and flying on a broomstick Wow, the Oxford Dictionary. Yeah, so there, that's not the only one. I went through all of these, and I was like, you know what? Like, how? Uh, also, a verb cast an evil spell on. Isn't that nice? So, so that's my problem. Yes, there's the you know Hollywood style um, flying on a broomstick thing. Okay, I get that. But for like for kids or somebody who's researching witchcraft or 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 witches or or reading up on it and they believe everything they see in the dictionary, you know, Merriam-Webster back in the day. And then you see that. So that's a problem. Um, and every other religion, every other practice, every other anything in the United States, especially, is protected by um, any type of um what's the word lost the word yeah and so the fact that that witchcraft isn't included in any of that you know especially around around halloween and stuff and i get you know the whole dressing up as witch whatever that but any other practice whether spiritual religious whatever um it wouldn't be accepted to do the same you know right. so 
Yeah, no, that's disappointing. I did not know that about the dictionary definitions. That's really disappointing. Oh. I Here's... do have... I have a oh. funny story from uh, Washburn Roll High School in Kansas about witchcraft. Oh, I want to hear it. Just... Just a second. So here's the exact Merriam-Webster version. A person, especially a woman, there you go, again, with the gender, <laughs> the gender uh, who is credited with having usually malignant supernatural powers. Wow. Yeah. I think I we like should we should create, like, right to them and... <laughs> yeah, like, sort of petition <laughs> to get them yes. to, like, change it. That would probably go viral pretty quickly. It gets a lot of attention because I had no idea. Their second was. definition is a woman who is believed to practice usually black magic, often with the aid of the devil. Wow. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I was I went to Washburn Rule from like 2002-ish, somewhere in there, 2005. And um, I used to wear a lot of like band t-shirts that had like pentagrams on it, pentacles. They weren't even inverted, which not that it should matter if it is, but they weren't, they weren't at all. Um, And it was, it was against the dress code to have anything depicting quote unquote Satanism or witchcraft. And so I kept getting in trouble and suspended and told to turn my shirts inside out because they had these things on it. And um, I was like, this is, this is not okay. Like, this is religious discrimination. Like, you're not allowed to do that. If I can't have this on here, even though it's not what it is, like, it's still a religious symbol. Like, you know, it's not why right. I'm wearing Like, they shouldn't be able to wear crosses and stars of David's if I can't have this on here. So exactly. I ended up carving a pentagram into my hand because they couldn't make me turn it around. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that, <laughs> do not recommend, <laughs> do not try this at home. <laughs> But it, it got a, it got a response, um, not a good one. I got suspended for like three days, but they couldn't they couldn't do anything about it. Like the scar took like, a couple weeks to heal. They couldn't stop me from going to school. So right, kind of kind of kind of made a point. There was a particular um, security officer at the school that loved to harass us. His name was Officer Target. I recently learned he passed away, and I recently learned that he also had a lawsuit against him for like inappropriate behavior towards a student. Um, he threatened to tase me one time just for asking a question. Like, it was it was wild. He was on a total totalitarian trip, like, you know, security guard on steroids at a high school. Wow. But, yeah, so that was that was a fun experience, but I, I enjoyed them not being able to do anything about that little pentagram thing. Have you been to um Stoll? I have. Um long after the church was no longer there of course and we didn't get very close because they are very careful about arresting people who actually cross into the grounds so we just kind of drove by slowly and looked over the fence uh which is ironic because um their website you know i i had no idea this was just i don't know like last when i moved back here not not very long ago i mean i went when i was younger when the church was still there in fact and um, and then, of course, I, I went when I came back here and um, on their website, it says people are welcome to visit during during daytime hours, because I don't think they can restrict. Um, you know, if, if you're doing which is what I was doing, you know, obviously, if the spirit leads me somewhere, then I'm going to go there or if I'm doing, um, 
genealogy research or things like that. Um, and of course, uh, people like us are, are the least likely to desecrate a grave or, you know, anything <laughs> as far as, as right. far as that goes, especially in broad daylight. You know, I was, I was with my daughter and, um, this so we was were there. Like 2009, 2009. Oh, and, wow. Um, I'm not sure they had a website then, but there was plenty of reviews on Google talking about, don't go, they'll arrest you. Don't, don't do this. Like they'll, you can't go during. And I think there was something about families only. Like if you didn't have a family in the cemetery, you weren't allowed in. So I just didn't try it. Well, it, yeah. And, and I don't recommend it because that's what I was getting to. Um, I, I, so I saw this, you know, went there during the day. We were there for a while. I was just walking around, you know, paying my respects. And um, a sheriff shows up and he said, what are you doing here? This is private property. And I said, I, I'm sorry. I was, I was looking for uh, family members, which technically, um, yes, meaning family uh, of witches, like... Right. <laughs> You know, I, I don't think I have any direct family, but, um, but anyways, yes, that's, that's exactly what he said. He said it's private property and, um, but, but I, I said something interesting. Um, and I, I mean, I'm, as you know, that people who channel everything, we don't accidentally mean to say anything, especially in that situation. I said, I I was trying to find a family member that used to be buried here. And he goes, used to be. You mean they aren't here anymore? And I'm like, oh, perhaps not. <laughs> I'm like, well, that answers my question then. So That is very interesting. Yeah. And my daughter's like, mom mom, what did you, you scared him. And I didn't even, I, I mean, uh, and that was a complete channel because I didn't even realize I was saying, you know, it's one of those things that, right. um, that something else. Said. And I was like, well, I guess we're done here and I don't need to be here. <laughs> so, so that was, that was, I've never, um, you know, I had heard about certain, um, certain people that that previously were buried there that were moved and stuff but um i don't know i don't i don't think that's what i meant by that so that was interesting that is especially yeah especially with the you know the the whole werewolf story and and stuff that, that goes along with that one there's so much there's so many things like that and it's it's, it's really hard because Topeka actually has a higher crime rate. And I know it's in between Topeka and Lawrence, but Topeka actually has a higher crime rate per capita than Kansas yes. City, Missouri. And Kansas City is 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 pretty bad. Like it's it's bad as far as like I used to live in East Kansas City, East of Truce. I, I I know. Um, like they don't really talk about it. Like it doesn't get in the news. Like most of the murders no. happen there. So you, it's very hard to verify a lot of the rumors and things you hear. Um, in in those towns because they don't like talking about it. Oh, we're just a nice small town. Nothing bad happens here. No, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kansas. So it, it, it gets hard. I think 
it has a higher crime rate per capita than some of the bigger like Atlanta yeah. and, and 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 it's hard to believe. A violent crime rate is higher. Yeah. Petty crime. Talking about, talking about violent crime. Yes. And there's even recently, man, there's been like it'll come across the scanner. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, we saw, you know, so and so burying somebody or digging up somebody in their backyard in Oakland this week. And and I'm like, Yeah, again, like you don't <laughs> But you don't hear about it in the news. You hear about it on like, like little, you know, Facebook, Facebook groups, group, right? Facebook <laughs> yeah. groups. I've a few of those. The scanner radio, the yeah. my dudes, weird, weird yeah. stuff happening. And it's funny because also you have like the hokier stuff about it, like a 666 zip code, 666 yep. zip code. That's fun. That's a fun one to tell people. Well, so a lot of people don't realize the capital. I, I never knew this either until I, I moved back here. Um, the capital has the four, well, it used to have the four different um, buildings on each corner on the outside of it, you know, outside on the blocks. And one was um, one was a Masonic Lodge. One was a church. I don't know what church it is now or, or what it used to be, but there was a church and then two other buildings and they were all connected by an un, by the underground tunnels. And everybody used to say that that um, created a, it wasn't a pentagram. It was, yeah. And so one of those buildings, um, which I just learned of at the uh, the 420 festival recently, they they said that it housed the green monster which you know they called this and um i had never heard about them they said oh oh yeah people don't talk about it because it's so it's like however many demons reside there and everybody and i'm like how does nobody know about all these things and then all the things about managers oh, um yeah. don't get me started on managers but the funny thing about those tunnels is i actually started having i was 16 I messed around with some shit I shouldn't have messed around with. Sorry if I'm not supposed to swear on here. <laughs> okay. I, I bought a divination board and I used like a spirit board and I opened something and didn't know how to close it. And I, I, I started studying witchcraft when I was like 11. My mom was always very supportive, um, but I, I hadn't done it in a few years. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I, I, I messed with some stuff and it opened something up and I got something attached to me for a very long time. Pat actually got rid of it a few years ago. She actually got rid of whatever was attached to me off of me. Thank you. But um, I had sleep paralysis for six months straight following this incident. Six oh, my gosh. Great. And every single night I dreamt of dying. And um, I had people come to me in this time period. I ended up delirious at the end of it. I was, obviously, it was horrifying. Um, but talking about, oh, I know you from a past life. This is how you died. And it was a dream I had last night. Like, just random. And this isn't Topeka. This is, this is weird, okay? Things happen. But also in these dreams, I was dreaming about tunnels underground under the capitol yeah. under topeka high i didn't go to topeka high i found out yeah. there are tunnels under topeka high i lost i i was like nope nope i didn't need to know that because like i was dreaming about these tunnels and things that were there and yeah. i didn't know they were there i had no idea about this i'm like mm. but yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, um, you know, I started getting stories from people um, anonymously, just just by putting that out there that I was doing research on on the state hospital, which I'm I'm still doing, um, but 
I mean, there were so many, not only from previous employees. I mean, this goes back like doctors and all kinds of patients, everybody from um, from probably like the 60s uh, era on. Um, so some of them are very old now. So it's so I'm trying to kind of, um, you know, there is a, a, a time limit on things like this because a lot of those people that, that were there when a lot of things began are very old. So, um, so that's important. But also other people started coming forward like, I don't know, just people that work security or something, you know, they, in the tunnels um, after they tore down the buildings. And that so many things like that bones are found under there that um, the same with the uh, the Noto Art District, when they restored that, you know, tearing down a, a lot of those buildings, people found stuff in the walls and the floorboards. I mean, it is insane. The It's like the entire town has, I don't know, I, I don't know what it is, but I know there was a lot of, of um, crazy stuff that went on on here back in the early 1900s. Yeah, I always uh, wonder if the reason why Kansas is so haunted, like the whole thing, because you have every town, you know, Atchison, Kansas. Oh, um, man, I, I just started that that venture last fall, and I'm still... I have stories. I lived there for a year. My ex-husband is from there, and oh my God, there's so many stories, but it's like the most haunted town in Kansas, right? Well, every, Holton's like, uh, Holton just being most haunted hotel in Kansas, Fort Scott, they're the most haunted town in Kansas, but like, think about it. Think about the Trail of Tears. Mm -hmm. Like bleeding Kansas. Bleeding Kansas so, was another. So much bloodshed. So much. Another thing that I want to do more research on because I just learned of this recently. Stephen King. You know, somebody pointed out when um, Big Boy came through the train that hadn't been in commission since the '40s. Um, I took my kids to see it last last summer, actually. So that came through. And then there was the last carnival that came through Topeka. And right when that was at, um, they changed it to the Stormont Bell Event Center. And I never knew. No, no, it's not the Expo Center anymore. It's the Stormont Vale Event Center. Um, but it was there. I, I didn't even realize that the last carnival was felt or that was based out of Lawrence, Kansas, the movie, the old movie from I want to say from like the 70s, which is a creepy, creepy movie. Um, and so I started looking into all and I was like, this is the anniversary of the last carnival and the last carnival came was touring through here. Um, and they might have done that on purpose. I don't know. Um, but then I people start talking about how Stephen King's brother um, was a patient at Meninger's. And, and so he would come and stay in Topeka for, for a month or so at a time because I started seeing patterns with all his, like the pet cemetery at Rochester. Um, yes. What is the other, um, the train is in, in one of his, why can I think of it? I've read a lot, so many of his books. Um, the train. There's also it. Um, what's the demon that's dressed like a clown? I don't remember the name of the actual, like the actual name, the spider demon, whatever. Like I don't remember the actual name if there was. It's. One. I think it's Asmodeus. 
but anyways, it, it's interesting that all of those, you know, all of those stories um, were, they say were inspired by a lot of his time in Topeka. And I'm I like, always, <laughs> I always think they were inspired by Maine, like him growing up in, in small town Maine. Yeah. But if that's the case, I would not be surprised, not one bit. Because it's, there's just some weird, weird stuff going on. And it's not uncommon. I mean, people don't get this. Like when I was on Chasing Prophecy, I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, there's, there's like, I don't know how many Topekans all on the outskirts that, that encounter werewolves. Like that's, oh, that happens oh, all oh, the time. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I have a story there too. Oh my freaking God. Okay. So, um, my, my current, my husband, we met in 2000 at Washburn Real Middle School. We've known each other for 22 years. And, um, we hung out, we were, didn't date until we were adults, but like we hung out, you know, and stuff in high school and everything. And so I lived over off of Villa West. Okay. <laughs> in Villa West. And uh, my mom was driving him home and he lived in Auburn. And okay. So we're Auburn is South, right? Auburn A little... is Southwest. Okay. Yeah. Um, of Topeka. And we're driving down Auburn road in the middle of the night. And we both see this, like, seven-foot-tall, like, in front of a cornfield, like, like not, not, my mom, my mom, Joe, and I all see this thing, okay? Seven feet tall, furry, standing upright. Yeah. And I'm just like, did everyone see that? And they're like, yes. And and I'm like, steps in the gas, because she's, like, freaked out. And she's like, and she and him both look back and see it running behind us on all fours. And I refuse to look. I, I didn't look. I, I did not look behind me. I'll take their word for it. But there were three of us in the car who saw that thing. And yeah, definitely outskirts of Topeka. Definitely a freaking werewolf type thing. Yeah. Type thing. I don't know what it was, but we all saw it. Like, what? Also, another weird one. I was with another friend of mine, Eric, who now lives in California as well. And we saw a Tesla saucer flying over Forbes Field. Oh, yeah. That's like, that happens all the time. <laughs> and it was like slow flying, like 20 feet of the car. Yeah. And we were coming back from Carbondale on Topeka Boulevard, past Forbes Field. It's like two o'clock in the morning, right there. Like, what is this? Like, <laughs> yes. I have been, um, I come from, I was abducted all my life, especially, you know, um, not, not just in New Mexico. I just didn't remember it until I was older. But, um, but it, yeah, it, it's happened more in Kansas than than anywhere else I've ever lived. I will say, um, I'm a chimera, so I have multiple, you know, the multiple organs and the the multiple DNA and stuff like that. So, um, who knows what what bloodlines, <laughs> you know, those plus plus the native background and stuff. Right. That, that I've got. So, um, so I think. I think that's why these things have always been normal to me and people are like how have you seen how do you encounter so many cryptids and it's probably the same with you and maybe it has to do with the the autism and the adhd and stuff because you know it's it's the same with any animal think of how um like animals are drawn to me i'm i'm sure they are with you as well um yeah. most people with with uh, i also have a native background like my father was half lakota um, yeah. I don't claim it because I'm obviously 
very yeah. white. Um, <laughs> and because by colonizer standards, yes, I am a quarter. So I could pass a blood quantum, but that's, that's colonizer standards. So um, it's a maternal bloodline. So I'm not, I'm not native. It's my dad, not my mom. But um, I do have that, his, his face shape, his eye shape, you know. And actually, it's funny because my, my first husband from Kansas, he's, he's Crow. He's like half Crow almost. And Absalica tribe. And um, he made, he pointed out something interesting to me that he's like, maybe the kids in Kansas could tell that you weren't all white. Like maybe, I know you're redhead, you're white skin, but like maybe that's part of why they bullied you so badly. Ooh, that's interesting. Because it is, it is a very racist stereo, let's be honest. Like, and, and I'm the same, like uh, in my family, my, um, my parents, my sister, uh, well, my sister's got like brownish hair, but my parents had pitch black hair. You know, I'm the only like redheaded white girl in the family. Yeah, I'm only redheaded white girl in the family. Yeah, like going back generations, there's no redheads. Uh, my mother had brown hair and blue eyes. My dad had black hair and almost black eyes. Yeah. And very dark skin, you know. Um, I don't know how they ended up with me, but here I am. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm the same way. And then myself and my my kids, you know, we we, we all got red hair. So, But I do, um, have, I do have a very indigenous bone structure. So it's possible. Also, the autism, obviously, is another thing. People, they, they say that we have kind of an uncanny valley effect on neurotypical people. Like it's sort of like we're human but we don't act like they do and there's just enough difference that it it sort of creates this like uncanny difference like no matter how how and masking isn't healthy anyway and it's very hard to unmask and a lot of people are forced to do it in the long term but once you start learning how to unmask and figuring out who you were before you learned how to mask once but even if you try for years like i tried for years to learn how to act neurotypical and no matter how much i thought i grasped it I never really did. And there were still just some major differences that caused communication issues or, or it could be just communicate differently. And it's funny because amongst other neurodivergence, we have no communication problems. Like it's just between either way. And they always act like it's a deficit for us, but it's deficit both directions. They can't communicate with us. We can't communicate with them, but we can communicate with each other. You know, like we talk yeah. just fine. Everyone I work with in Los Angeles is, is neurodivergent. I feel like it's a city of neurodivergence, honestly, um, which is part of why I love it here. I mean, think about it. Part of part of one of the criteria that people look at it now, a modern view of it for autism is, are rules real? Do rules really exist? I, I already handed it back to you. Yeah, I did. I did, like, immediately. Close the door. Sorry about that. Um, you know, <laughs> do society's rules exist or are they just made up? You know, and that's one of the big things with mm-hmm. autism is they, they're fake. You know, they're all fake. It's all just, you know, no one knows what they're doing. Everyone's faking it, right? And so um, to have the audacity to even come out to a city like Los Angeles and follow your dreams, that's already a pretty neurodivergent thing to do in the first place because you're already bucking society's expectations, one. Two, everywhere you go in LA, everyone is following a very special interest, a career path, their passion, music, film, makeup, whatever, most of them have made a career out of something that they are obsessed with, right? And on top of that, go to any bar in Los Angeles, what's the first thing they're going to ask you? What What are they going to ask you? They're going to ask you, hey, what do you do? Probably. What do you do? Yeah. Scripts. We have a script to follow in social situations here that everyone just does, and it makes it easier. 
And so I feel like a lot of people here are undiagnosed. And a lot of people are diagnosed. Like I have a ton of friends here who are diagnosed, but even more are undiagnosed neurodivergent just because this city attracts it. Well, also, I, I didn't realize this um, until until I was older, obviously. It actually, especially for women due to hormones and such, the older we get, um, the worse the the... I guess sensory symptoms and triggers become because, uh, and that's why there's actually, I would say a large population of women in the 30 to 35 year range, um, age range that that's when they're first diagnosed. Um, yeah, that, that definitely is true. It definitely is true. When you get older, it gets harder, mm -hmm. Um, but it also, there's a couple other factors that go into that. One is, um, boys are often, especially in the Midwest, more coddled. They aren't expect, held the same. They always say girls mature faster. No, they don't. No, they don't. Girls don't mature faster. Girls are expected to mature yeah, faster. I agree. And so we are held to a higher standard from an early age. And we don't really have the luxury of being able to skirt by with, oh, it's just the way I am, like white men can do. White cis men can do. And so... I think that's why a lot of girls learn very early on how to mask and they also present differently, you know, for autistic traits or ADHD traits because of that. Um, more social can make eye contact comfortable or not. They do it because they have to. Um, even the social expectations around like you have to hug your family members, you have to do this, you, have, you know, it's like we are trained early on to sort of people please and that, mm -hmm. that, to that. but another thing on top of the sensory issues is you can only go so long in your life um, being autistic in, in a neurotypical world and trying to push yourself into that mold before you reach yeah. burnout. An autistic yeah. burnout is is different from professional burnout. It's different from like depression. It's different from it can get misdiagnosed a lot. A lot of women who are autistic get misdiagnosed with borderline, you know, and things like that. Um, but people get diagnosed in their early 30s because you've been working for 10 plus years, you know, yeah. masking, you're tired. And a lot of people never recover. It takes years. I, mm -hmm. I first reached burnout on a, on a long-term scale after my first business failed. And I had to shut down. And it took me a good year. And um, the pandemic, it, it, horrible, horrible. But it was a godsend for me to recuperate and rebuild. And, and gave me the chance to kind of slow down and really, like, learn about myself. And to unmask and then to save money and not go out, you know, and not, not have to do everything and just go, 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 go. Because another thing about LA, um, all the positives, negatives, um, time, I swear to God, moves faster here. It really does. If I'm I think it moves faster as we get older in general. <laughs> like I feel that way. <laughs> so I, I travel back and forth across the country fairly frequently in places like Texas. It just feels like it drags on forever. Like a day just lasts three times as long. Yeah. Um, in the Midwest and, and like Louisiana and that central time zone, for some reason, that feels normal. LA feels fast. It literally feels like time is just like speeding through. And yeah, of course you do lose time to right. traffic and the fact that everyone is like racing to the top and trying to get ahead and there's so much to do and there's so, that definitely contributes. But I, I've talked to a lot of people who moved from other places because most mm -hmm. people implants you know they with transplants they 
I always say that everybody belongs in LA because nobody belongs here, you know? Um, everyone agrees though. Like everyone agrees. Oh yeah. Time moves faster. I felt that way. And in, in New York as well, oh. Oh, to an extent, only, only in the city area. And then when I lived upstate, it was, it was like Kansas because it snowed, you know, over our heads and nobody could go anywhere all winter. So it seemed like it went really slow then, but in the cities, yes, absolutely. It felt like um, it went by really, really fast. Um, the same with like Florida area. So I'm wondering if, um, I thought about doing a study on this. A aside from one, I had this epiphany, the other, one of those shower mode, you know, theories you, you get. <laughs> um, of, do you think people that travel, uh, um, pilots, you know, uh, commercial pilots, maybe that go um, across the, like even the international dateline or across the country frequently, or people that travel a lot, um, even people that commute, I, I mean, a significant different or distance, like 100 miles a day or something one way. Do you think that it affects in some way biologically their aging? I don't know. I've never thought about that. Because it's kind of like a form of time. I mean, it literally is time travel. Because say you go from, you know, L.A. to Japan. Mm -hmm. Well, you're going from almost the furthest west, um, you know, in North America, to literally the furthest east lo eastern location in the world. So, and, and it would be the next day. So I'm wondering how, and then if it would be kind of similar to, to uh, like astronauts, you know, how they, I don't know, I just have these weird, <laughs> weird. Uh... It's definitely interesting. I haven't thought about that. I mean, time travel thing. Yeah. I mean, time, I think is a construct anyway. Like I we, do too. we're literally decaying organic matter. Like we perceive it because we are, are moving closer to death um, and we measure it because we can. And it's, it's flawed, the measurement, obviously. It's relative. Thank you, Einstein. But yes. um, I think but in that aspect, as in time, I mean time of, because that would affect you because of where the sun and the moon are located. Right. You know. Well, we see with astrology how, how much of a difference it makes when you have, like, your exact birthplace and time in there, how specific you can get, you know. Um, obviously, where you are affects you for many reasons, um, but I, I don't really think about time in that sort of concrete way because I do feel like, I mean, I don't know. I, I have, I have so many past life memories and, you know, they say that that can overlap. Oh, I, you know, like, I do as well. And I, even I, in a normal, in a normal day, and I've talked to so many people, I'm, I'm sure this happens to you as well. If you, if you're that, uh, you know, aware of, of those other, other lives and different that, there, there'll be many times I'm, I, I feel like I'm living in multiple timelines in one day, you know, you experience those. Right. And well, there's, there's constantly shifting. Like I, I, I mm -hmm. feel like I, I, every other day I notice something else that has like a Mandela effect that I, I'm like, I, I know for sure was a thing. Um, but I just kind of just ignore it. Like I'm, I'm, I, at this point, I'm sort of just focused on, aligning myself with whatever timeline has yes. <laughs> my best life. I'm out here trying to live my best life. So if that means skipping timelines, some of my childhood memories are incorrect now, so be it, I guess. Like I've kind of reached a point of acceptance. <laughs> the one of the ones that really, really messed with me was Annie. 
Annie. So, um, Shirley Temple. Like the musical Annie? Shirley Temple. Oh, Shirley yeah. Temple was not a redhead. She was blonde. I don't, I didn't know that actually. Yeah. Well, the, the funny thing is, and I guess, you know, you could, you could use the excuse that, well, you know, it's black and white and people mm -hmm. didn't know, but also she never played Little Orphan Annie. She never played Little Orphan Annie ever. Um, she hmm. played in a different movie about a little girl who was an orphan. Very similar story, but it wasn't Annie. But I swear, I swear as a child, because there were so many old people. My grandmother was part of the silent generation. She was born in 1918. My mother was born in 1950. We have very long generations in my family. I was born in 1987. Okay? People from my grandma's generation were always around me when I was a small child, curly red hair. And they're like, oh, you look like Little Orphan Annie. You look like Little Shirley Temple. And they'd say it both together. Both huh. together. And I'm just like, I swear to God, I saw a movie when I was a very small child, the Hatchley Temple playing Annie, and it was called Annie. And I swear to God, she had red hair. But in this timeline, for good or for bad, she did not. No, I swear Annie had red yeah. hair. Too. Or I mean, I swear Shirley. See, I just did it too. Yeah. I swear Shirley <laughs> Temple had red hair. Look it up. I, it, it, because I, as redheads, like you pay attention to that. Right. Because exactly. I know. I know Red Sonia, The Little Mermaid, mm -hmm. Hippie Longstocking, yep. and Shirley Temple. Oh, and Judy Garland. Yes, and Judy Garland. I went I went as Hippie Longstocking when I was six years old. Like, I put pipe cleaners in my brain, so they actually stuck out. Yep. Great. <laughs> that's funny. But that that's what I mean, that there's very few of us that probably, but, like, you remember that as a child because specifically, like, those were the people... At the time, I probably thought that only like five other redheads existed in the world because well, it, we're... <laughs> hair. Um, and it's hard to tell now because you know dyed hair exists and it's gotten really good. Mm -hmm. But like my mother used to tell me, here's an autism moment. She's like, if someone could bottle your hair and sell it, they'd make a million dollars. And so I was like literally scared someone was gonna cut off my hair and put it in a bottle. I, oh my goodness, I have so many stories of my, and I've always, well, for the most part, I did shave my head um, at one point, I, I mean, almost completely, but um, yeah, I, I did too. People would come up and like nowadays that somebody would probably call the cops or consider it like, right. I don't know, assault or something, but there would be like older people that would literally grab my ponytail be like, you know, hey, so-and-so, they'd be telling their wife or husband or whatever to come look at my, and not even paying attention that, like, it's attached to my head, you know, like, it, it was a weird thing, I, and I, I think only other redheads can relate to that. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> I was, um, I have a fun story, too, about that, um, I was at Mardi Gras when I was, like, three, and Pete Fountain, famous clarinet, famous jazz clarinetist, came up to me and my grandma, and he handed me a doubloon with his face on it. He was playing crying. He stopped marching to the parade. And he said, she has the same color hair I had when I had hair. Oh. And actually, that's why I chose to play clarinet in middle school because of him. But he, he Really? I played the clarinet, too. I didn't, I didn't know that about him, though. Yeah. Yeah. Pete Fountain. And he died a few years ago, sadly. But I, he was a brilliant, brilliant jazz clarinetist. Absolutely brilliant. And it seems like we have a lot in common. It's very serendipitous, our entire... I know. That's that's what I was saying. That's You know, I typically interview people that um, I've been intuitively led to. Um, and I always learn something 
so profound and something so you have you do you speak on autism um you, you only know on to, tiktok only on tiktok and only to my kids schools you uh -huh. should consider doing it because you're uh, there's i'm sure you you've helped me i'm sure um there's so many other women out there and men um obviously that that probably never knew half of the just world of wealth of knowledge you, you know um i i do wish you were coming to kansas be, i mean i plan on moving hopefully I, so. I, will be, I will be coming through there um at some point in the next few months so i'll definitely reach out um i always i usually go after new orleans i'm not this year because we're going to romania shortly afterwards um, we usually just cut up north and then go over because then we see family for a bit and then come back. Um, but I forget which which trip I'm taking, but there's somewhere I have to go. Oh, Indianapolis. We're going to Gen Con. So okay. We have to go straight through. So that's early August. So yeah, that. Um, and I'm. So I was in the ironic thing is I I was in. I won this. Everything happens for a reason. So. I won this Miss Kansas thing for a scholarship, which back then I was never, I wasn't the typical um, pageant girl. I wasn't, it was something that that I did for a scholarship. Never thought I, I would be good enough to win. And I answered, you know, the question at the, in the Kansas competition, the question they ask everyone at the end. Um, I was the only one that, that answered differently than all the other girls. And when I went back, you know, and, and everybody's like, yeah, I, I think even my friends and, and parents are like, why would you answer that? I'm like, why do I need to be like everybody? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but I ended up winning it. And one of the things was they sent you to Hollywood. And so that was the first time I'd ever been there. Um, and so it was, it was 20 years ago. I, I went, I got to go to Hollywood. They sent us, um, they made a video of us like singing and skipping through the through the castle gates and like on the teacups and stuff and totally not I was like like I had to buy new clothes that weren't all black and all kinds of stuff for that trip <laughs> but um that was my first time in Holland and, and the last time I was there honestly um but I was like starstruck coming from Kansas, you know, not, not just that it, it seemed like another world. It is. Um, Culture shock is real. Yeah. Um, and not just, not just the culture because we weren't around people that much, you know, aside from like the, we had our whole pageant stuff there, but I don't, the entire energy, the entire, everything, everything feels different. Um, than any place I've ever been, actually. So, I never pictured myself moving here or living here. I never did. I never pictured myself working in Hollywood. I, I, this was not what I planned for myself. But I, I'm so grateful, and it, it's it's obviously where I'm supposed to be, because every time I consider moving, something else happens, and it's like, nope, here's another opportunity. You got to do this here. You got to be here for this. And I'm like, okay, you know what? supposed to be here so and it's funny because my grandmother was born in columbus kansas you know west oh, wow. Kansas, where um there's big, nothing big, big, <laughs> the giant the giant steamroller whatever it's called the giant like you know 
shovel thing. <laughs> well, I know they have the world's largest uh, prairie dog. Crown Groundhog. It's the very, very far southeast corner of Kansas, and she was born there in 1918, you know, the year of the Great War ended, um, lived through Dust Bowl era Kansas, uh, grew up on a farm, seven siblings, and she got went to college at St. Mary's, and then she taught school in a one-room schoolhouse. Wow. And she taught school in a one-room schoolhouse in Kansas and saved up money, and where did she go? She went to Hollywood. Probably, yeah. She went to Hollywood, and she worked as a model here in the 1940s. Wow. That's and, amazing. Yeah. And she was, and, and she actually dated Raymond Burr for a while before he was Perry Mason, long before he was ever openly gay, if he ever was. Um, she actually did a lot. She was kind of a beard. <laughs> Had many gay boyfriends. Um, but, and then she, she moved after about 10 years in L.A., after the war and things kind of changed in World War II, she moved to um Chicago in like 1950 and met my grandfather who was a pharmacist and uh they got married had my mother she was born in Springfield Illinois and then they moved to New Orleans two months later so we'd go to college at Tulane and that's how I ended up being in New Orleans because they moved to New Orleans and I grew up there wow and I and I guess I cannot I most people probably don't realize how bold of a move that was for your grandmother during that period because people people don't li- like people don't leave here like you said they're expected especially with the that that whole outdated mentality of you're supposed to stay here and work on the farm or do whatever in the your yeah. the area you're from for the rest of your life and for the rest of your kids lives and their kids and every generation you know so for her to do that was very very bold i mean very amazing and none of her siblings did um one of her brothers moved to washington state um everyone else was still in kansas um it's funny my cousins on my grandmother's sister's grandchild (laughs) um and my grandmother died in 2008 but her sister is still alive she's 106 years old lives in olathe her her grandson one of him one of her kyle johnson he's a famous artist worked for the Getty Museum. He just bought a whole bunch of land at in Shannon, California, but he's lived in LA for a long time. So it's it's weird how that kind of like that lineage has that that connection. And then after May 8th, 1995, we had a big flood in, in New Orleans and it was just rainfall. It wasn't a hurricane. It wasn't hurricane season. Now hurricane season starts in May, but didn't yeah. then, you know? Um and it, 18 inches of rainfall in six hours. And my grandmother lived through Hurricane Betsy. It it blew the roof off her house. Um, she'd Wait, what? It was called Hurricane what? Hurricane Betsy in 1965. It was the largest. I you said Betsy. I was like, oh, that no. was my grandmother's name. Betsy. <laughs> no, it was the largest hurricane to make landfall before Katrina. Um, in in Louisiana, it so much damage, and the levees also broke in Betsy as well. And it's funny enough, people said the same time back then. They said, oh, that they were bombed. They said the same thing after Katrina, but um. um. My grandma was just done. She was just tired. She was tired of the floods. She was tired of the, the heat. She was tired of it. And she's like, she was scared to let me out of the house because the crime rate was so high. Even in Metairie where I lived, mm-hmm. it was just, like there was a guy who got shot three times in his stomach in the room above me while I was sleeping because he went to check his car alarm and turn it off because the car alarm went off. Like it's just, it was just great. And it's still a problem. The crime rate is still really high. But um, so we moved back to Kansas. Well, I moved to Kansas the first time, but she moved back there to Topeka because the sister closest in age to her was living in Topeka and had been for the last 
50 years or whatever. So that's how I ended up there. <laughs> that's how I ended up here. Because <laughs> my family, my family still lives here and you know, they, they won't move anywhere. <laughs> yeah, my mom's there. Mom is there. She's at um, assisted living facility there. She was a li uh, medical librarian at Stormont Vale for like 20 something years. Oh, wow. And retired. Huh. She's, yeah. <laughs> Well, Rachel, we are, I don't, we've talked for two hours and it's been amazing. Yeah. It's been such a pleasure having you. Where can people find um, your makeup line, your website, um, everything you you have going right now? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've, I really enjoyed it. I really appreciate it. Um, NewOrleansSwampWitch.com is my personal website. Um, vampire with a Y, the A-M-P-Y-R-E. Uh, magazine.com and also vampirecosmetics.com same thing with the y spelling also alchemymethosis.com and methosismanufacturing.com all right yes absolutely check her out she has amazing products and and obviously there's there's it sounds like there's so many good things coming for you and i i hope um all of those i'm gonna have to check into the i'm gonna have to talk to you about wholesale stuff here oh, um but we are, thank you to all of my listeners. Thank you for joining. Um, I will also post the links and um, tune in next week at the same time for The Missing Piece. Good night, everyone, and be safe out there. If I can find out how to... <laughs>